0: Thanks for joining Sapelo Nerds, a coastal science podcast. I'm your host, Corinne. And I'm your host, Brittany. And we work at the National Estuarine Research Reserve, or NEAR, on Sapelo Island, a Georgia barrier island. Hey,
1: folks. Uh, so this is Brittany. Um, and unfortunately, today, I sound like a steaming pile of hot scat. Obviously, I have a cold. So we will be having a guest co-host, Colby. Thanks for coming on, Colby, and I'm sure the listeners are very thankful to not have to hear me keep talking. Hey there, I'm Colby, and I'm the Stewardship Coordinator at Signer. My job at the Reserve includes a lot of different things, including habitat restoration, sustainability, and protection of natural resources on Sapelo. I'm really excited to be talking to you guys today.
0: And since we've mentioned colds, I'm getting pretty tired of all this cold weather. How about you, Colby?
1: Already? Winter doesn't even start until December 21st.
0: I think I'm just going to curl up under the covers and come back out when it's warm again. So you're going to hibernate? Maybe I'll brumate. Brumate? Yeah, it's another form of hibernation.
1: Oh, yeah, I've actually been participating in a near system-wide pilot study since May that involves putting out game cameras on upland marsh transition zones. I've caught a lot of really cool animals in action, but recently I've noticed a drop off in the number of animals that I've been seeing at our camera traps.
0: Yeah, at this time of year, we probably have a few species already starting the process of going dormant.
1: And only some species are true hibernators because that's actually a pretty specific term. An animal in true hibernation has a low body temperature, slow breathing, a low heart rate, and a low metabolic rate. During true hibernation, animals will not wake up if there's a loud noise or if they're moved or touched. And they rarely wake up until temperatures rise and the days get longer.
0: It's on a pretty fixed yearly rhythm. Yep, a couple of the true hibernators or obligatory hibernators in Georgia are tricolored bats and groundhogs. The groundhogs are a great example for hibernators because their heart rate drops from 80 beats per minute when active to only four or five beats per minute while hibernating. And their body temperature drops from 98 degrees Fahrenheit to only 38 degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Um, brr, that's
0: cold. Yeah, plus they get adorably chonky. Okay. Right before their long winter nap, so they have something called brown fat as an energy reserve for when they come out of hibernation.
1: That's so cool!
0: (laughs) Pun intended?
1: Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, it makes sense that some bats go into true hibernation since their primary food source of insects are nowhere to be found. Insects go into something called diapause, which is a state of dormancy when they don't develop any further. They won't come out of the suspended state until spring. Bats and insects have developed this natural rhythm over thousands of years, but bats are actually at a huge risk now when they're hibernating.
0: That's right. They've got that white nose fungus, the, uh, the pseudo, the pseudo-ga, pseudo-gym.
1: I believe the term you're looking for is a pseudo gymna I don't know. Brittany, help us out. Guys, it's clearly... Pseudogymnoascis destructans.
0: Yeah, that. And the resulting white-nose syndrome have killed 90% of northern long-eared, little-brown, and tricolored bats in less than 10 years. Ooh, that's a huge loss. The fungus infects the
1: skin of bats while they are hibernating and inactive. It ends up warming the bats to the point that they wake up and waste energy reserves that they need to survive the winter. Scientists are still trying to figure out a cure for whiteness syndrome and help the sky puppies. But as for other hibernators, what about bears? Aren't they true hibernators?
0: I used to think bears were true hibernators, but they aren't. They're actually facultative hibernators that go into a state of torpor.
1: Oh, I've heard of torpor, not to be confused with stupor. That's not quite as deep a sleep as true hibernation. An animal in torpor has a slightly lower temperature and slower breathing, but they can wake up if disturbed and sometimes will feed in between winter snows. That's
0: right, so don't go bothering a bear you think is hibernating. Animals we're more likely to see on the coast, like raccoons and opossums, also enter torpor in winter. They enter this dormant state when days get shorter and nights get longer, when temperatures get colder, and when food and water get more scarce.
1: Right, right. But you mentioned
0: bromation, So what's that like? All right. So technically, I couldn't bromate because I'm not cold-blooded like reptiles and amphibians. They actually have some really fascinating ways of dealing with the cold. So I'm going to nerd out just a little bit about these cool adaptations since this is a nerds podcast after all. Have you ever heard that turtles can breathe through their butts?
1: <laughs> uh, well, yes. But is that really true?
0: It is. It's technically called cloacal respiration. See, a lot of turtles take a big breath in the fall and then submerge themselves underwater until spring. While submerged, turtles still need to get rid of carbon dioxide in their blood and take in oxygen. Rather than getting a breath of air, they can exchange these gases through body surfaces that are flush with blood vessels. Sometimes this is through skin, called cutaneous respiration. Sometimes it's through areas in a turtle's mouth and throat and sometimes it's through their cloaca, which is essentially their butt. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I know that snakes
1: will bromate too, but it's usually just a burrowing below the frost line so they don't freeze. Some snakes like garter or ribbon snakes do this in a big group in what we call hibernaculum. What would be really neat to see is when spring arrives and all the snakes leave the hibernaculum at the same time. That sounds like something out of Indiana Jones. Right? But I think I'll observe that one from a bit of a distance.
0: I guess that's what people think of when they mention snakes nesting. It's actually a hibernaculum. But how about frogs? Did you know that some of them can freeze completely solid? Like a frog sickle? Just like that. <laughs> Spring peepers are a good example of potential frog sickles. When temperatures start dropping, the water in the cells of these frogs is drawn out of the cell where it can freeze. But what's left inside the cell is just sugar and alcohol. It's basically a natural form of antifreeze. This way, the cells aren't damaged from ice formation or dehydration. When spring arrives, the peepers just thaw out and hop away to find some food. Again, super cool. Are there any super cool turtles that can freeze? Well, hatchling-painted turtles go through supercooling, which means they can be in below freezing temperatures without freezing. These turtles hatch in late summer but over winter in their nest chamber, which is only about 10 centimeters below ground, and that's not deep enough to avoid freezing. Still, the hatchlings can survive. They actually don't have any nucleating agents, or basically anywhere for ice crystals to start forming inside or on their bodies. Without those nucleating agents, the turtles don't freeze. Of course, there is a slight risk that other nucleating agents may be present in the nest, and if those touch the turtle, they could instantly become a turtle sickle and free solid, actually killing the turtle.
1: Oh wow, that's a pretty scary risk. Maybe I'll just stick with migrating like we discussed in one of our previous episodes. Uh, it could definitely be a snowbird.
0: That may not be a bad idea, but I doubt our bosses will let us work from the tropics. So, Colby, do you know what the super-cooled turtle said to the frog sickle? I don't know. What did they say? Have an ice day. Oh, Snow, you did not <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. Let's answer Alex's question from Glynn County. We're starting to see some effects of climate change here on the coast. How are hibernating animals affected by climate change?
1: That's a really great question, Alex. We are getting more warm days in the middle of winter, and those warm days are actually really dangerous for animals that are broom or in torpor are facultative hibernators. Some bears are waking up earlier, and chipmunks may not even go dormant at all. This may not sound bad, but scientists following nine chipmunks over a warm winter saw only one of them enter torpor and believed that the other eight didn't survive at all.
0: Right. One of the big reasons for entering a dormant state like hibernation is because there's less food available. And if animals in torpor are waking up more often or earlier, they may run out of stored fat energy or not be able to find food when they wake up. Also, warmer summers could cause droughts, which means there's less food available before winter and animals struggle to build up fat reserves for hibernation. It's another problem with climate change that scientists aren't positive how it will affect all hibernating animals, but it's something to keep an eye on. For more information about any of the topics we covered today or to submit your question that may be featured in our upcoming episodes, please email us at signer.socials at gmail.com. That's S-I-N-E-R-R dot socials at gmail.com.
1: Thank you for listening to Sapelo Nerds, a coastal science podcast brought to you by the Sapelo Island National Estuarine Research Reserve. Please check back for more episodes released on the 1st and the 15th of each month. And that's the Sapelo Sound.